0: Hello, and welcome to the Laddercast, where we teach you how to leverage your assets to change your life. I'm Sorsha Porter, and in 2016, I bought my first home, which completely changed the trajectory of my life. I turned that property into a business, a trip around the world, a new career, and quadrupled my household income. And now I'm a real estate agent licensed in Oregon and Washington.
1: And I'm Shannon McAllister. After finishing college with a degree in finance, I was in a job I hated, but couldn't quit because I wasn't making enough money. I signed up for a class to learn about mortgages taught by a real estate investor. 17 years later, I'm a nationally licensed mortgage lender, homeowner, and investor myself. We aim to educate how getting on the property ladder by owning just one home can change lives. It changed ours. Hello, and welcome back to the Laddercast. We're excited to be back in the studio
0: recording for the first time in a few weeks. Thank you all for waiting for us. Summer break. Everyone needs summer break. I'm all right with that. Yep. Um, and today we're talking about, is Airbnb causing an adverse effect on the Portland housing market? Hot topic. Hot button
1: topic. <laughs> Highly controversial. Everyone has an opinion. It, Founded it or not. I have opinions. Yeah. Yeah. We all do. But um, last week, Shannon and I hosted an
0: event um, where we... Basically paid for everyone's drinks and said, hey, do you want to learn about Airbnb? And we advertised it on Nextdoor and Instagram. And people showed up. Yep. Which was exciting. It was not just us sitting there with ourselves. Which we were like going to be fine with, but we were kind of hoping wasn't the case. And it wasn't. Um, We had a really lively
1: conversation. We did. We had a discussion about the specifics of an Airbnb, what it takes to start one up, the actual steps you need to do to make one happen. We did just answer a lot of questions. People had their own specific things they wanted to figure out. And we answered those things as best we could. And then we went around the table and just asked everyone, what are you doing? What do you want to do? What are your plans?
0: Why is this of interest to you? And we, we learned a lot of cool stuff and met some great people. But one of the things that was a result of our Instagram advertising was I got a lot of comments on my personal Instagram that were like, Airbnb is causing the housing crisis. People were really genuinely upset at the idea that we would host that event. And I was like, honestly, a little bit mortified (laughs) because I really care about other people and whether or not they're okay. And the idea
1: that something I was promoting could be Hurting someone was like terrifying to me. Yeah. Have we been, have we been advertising or instructing or advising to do the wrong thing? That's terrible. (laughs) Yeah. Because, you know, we, we promote Airbnb on this
0: podcast as a resource for people to leverage their assets, um, and make money off their homes. But like, if that's coming at a detriment to society, should we keep doing that was like the big concern. So I went on a very long, dark rabbit trail, to To figure out the answer to that question, and is it is that a real thing, or is that an anecdotal opinion that yeah. is as is out there?
1: is Airbnb causing an adverse effect on housing, market, and housing supply in this town in portland? so Yeah.
0: So I went and I asked friends. I have a lot of friends with like a very wide range of opinions on the subject. They know that this is what I do for a living, that I specialize in in housing investment and teaching people how to get into investment, specifically in Portland, in the short term, midterm space. And so I asked people who I know are not a fan of those platforms friends that i have who are social workers or in the housing resource space for for underserved communities and i was like where what are your resources like i know you're not a fan of this i've never we've never really had a big discussion about it but i would love resources from you and i also pulled the people on instagram who were mad at me and was like hey i would love some resources this is a genuine request not me trying to be a jerk and disprove you i want to know where you're getting this information because it's not something I've seen solid proof
1: of. So you were asking them to give you the information that based their feelings when I think they were probably telling you feelings? I I was asking them to
0: support their argument. I was like, can you support this argument? I would be interested in reading about it because I, I am not opposed to the idea that I am wrong. I could be, I would rather be wrong and correct than be, than think I'm right and continue down a path that's hurting people. Right. So, um, every, I kid you not every single person that I talked to from my friends in social work and, uh, social justice space to the people on the internet who were upset about us having a happy hour and talking about Airbnb all sent me to the same exact article.
1: Okay. Okay. I, I'm going to ask you what that article is, but I'm going to tell you in advance. I had never heard it or seen it. I had never heard of it. Yeah. So Um, apparently I don't read enough news.
0: What's interesting is I had actually read, read it before. Um, and it's part of something that I read back when it first came out, but it's an article in Forbes from February, 2020 called the Airbnb effect on housing and rent by Gary Barker. Um, and Gary's argument it's an opinion article first off okay. it's not a peer reviewed statistically significant article where he's you know created charts and numbers and things this is his opinion based on ob- observations and informed by various other facts that he's found online okay um and it's a well reasoned well thought out article like there's nothing this article is it's a good article um it was released in February 2020 just before the pandemic hit so we can't like, you can't like cite the pandemic okay. as a, as the reason for this. Um, but he's located in the UK and he was doing an analysis on the UK housing market. Um,
1: and so why is everyone pointing to that?
0: I think because anecdotally, it could potentially apply other places. But what a lot of people don't realize is that the UK housing market and economy is so different from our own. Yes. And it's so, so different. I mean, from the very fact that the the income disparity between like the elite in the UK to regular people is so significant. I mean, it's literally the reason we developed the terms of classism because of how des- like big that gap is is they're saying that you know super wealthy people are buying up houses in like london edinburgh and glasgow these big towns and dramatically decreasing the supply of airbnbs or the the supply of housing for regular people in these towns okay. and i could believe that that's true because in london you have like super money you can walk in walk down the street and see someone wearing a million dollar worth of Worth of clothes, and while I'm certain that happens here occasionally, it's just not the same level of of class disparity that they have there.
1: But at the end of the day, you can't even compare. I I get the point and the intention behind the article and people's feelings, but you can't apply. Two different cities and compare them to each other. It doesn't correct. Correct.
0: And and also two different countries with different housing systems. The way that houses are financed and everything in the UK is so different. The way that rent works, their laws, their social, um their, their social services are so vastly different. While I think we can look at that as maybe a question to ask here, his article just doesn't translate the same way in the United States as people wanted it to citing it as a source. Okay. And so I was like, okay, well just because this article doesn't support the argument doesn't mean it's not a valid argument like doesn't mean that we aren't having our housing supply affected by Airbnb. So I went and looked for data. Um, for those of you who don't know, I have a background in analytics and my husband is an economist. <laughs> so I I very much value and and look for to data to inform decisions. It's how I have always been. And it's something I use in real estate when you talk, when you talk, when we talk about margins and, and costs and stuff, you'll hear me get kind of granular on the data because I just think it's so important that we look at facts over feelings. Feelings are important and they're not invalid, but they, they don't supersede, in my opinion, numbers when it comes to things like this, when we're talking about literal supply and demand. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I went down a rabbit hole on that. All right. Tell us what you found out. So first I looked at the total housing supply in the United States. Okay. Um, the U.S. Census Bureau. And I used uh, the U.S. Census Bureau, AirDNA, Airbnb, and the Economic Policy Institute, as well as the Harvest, Harvard Business Review to, like, support all this data. So that's where all these things are coming from. Okay. Um, the U.S. Census Bureau says that there's about 147 million housing units in the U.S. Um, when we talk about a unit that is a single space designed for someone to habitate, that includes – an area for cooking, an area for sleeping, and an area for using the restroom and facilities. That is what defines a unit.
1: So that really means a single-family home,
0: a multi-unit
1: building, or an apartment building. Anything that is a housing unit. Yes. That includes all of those.
0: And to get more specific, it's not counting rooms as units. Okay. Um, So 147 million units in the United States. Yep. Which... Based on our U.S. population means there's about three people for every one unit available in the U.S.
1: And I I had to, my brain doesn't process these things as quickly as Sorsha's does. I have to sit and think about it, sometimes write it out and do mental gymnastics to make sense of things. At the end of the day, a three-person house is probably pretty average. There are more, there are less. There yes. are two people in this house. The house next door has like seven people. When I was in college, I lived in a house with twelve other people. You yeah, know, we make so we make decisions. It balances out. At the end of the day, mm. for every three people, there is one housing unit in the United States. Roughly, that feels right. okay. I have no idea. I'd be interested, as a side note, to know what the average in other countries is. Are I would too. Or maybe oh. maybe that's our next in our next episode. But okay. for
0: for this one. Of that, what I found is that of those 147 million units, one point there are 1.9 million Airbnbs in the U.S.
1: And again, numbers feel weird. 1.9 million doesn't sound that big, not compared I think, to 147 million. It doesn't. No, I mean think of all the places you and I go and that everybody goes to stay in an Airbnb and how many there are to choose from. A- you go to Bend, Oregon, and there are 800 of them within a couple of blocks that you get to choose from, it feels like anyway. Yep. So 1.9 million across the U.S. doesn't seem all not that huge. significant. It's, and that's because it's not. That's
0: about 1.29% of the total U.S. housing supply is going to short-term rentals through Airbnb. But when we look at that even closer, let's get even more granular, okay. of that 1.9 million, It's estimated that 20% are rooms individually rented out of people's homes. So if we know that a housing unit is defined as a single space where you can sleep, cook, and eat and use the restroom, then we know that a room isn't a unit. So we have to eliminate that 20% from the equation. So realistically, the number of housing units that are taking up housing supply in the US is around 1.5 million, which brings are averaged to just slightly over
1: 1% of the total housing supply. Okay. Let me make sure I got it. Of the 1.9 million Airbnbs in the U.S., 20% of those are just single-family or single-bedrooms in somebody's house. Correct. So we aren't counting those. As we're looking at this question about housing supply and is Airbnb- and affecting the housing supply available yeah. to people. And so those single family rooms are, I keep saying single family and I don't mean the word single family, those, I mean, single, those single bedrooms, single bedrooms, those single bedrooms don't count. So let's the, get rid of, and the reason of, they
0: don't count is because we have to use statistics. We have to look at the statistics, the same across the board and the U.S. Housing Bureau, mm-hmm. like the Census Bureau is looking at units, not, yep. at, not at rooms. Yeah,
1: Cause the room's not taken away from somebody having a housing space to live in. Correct. Because that house is already being lived in. Yeah. So we're down to 1.5 million, roughly, Airbnbs in the US. Again, that doesn't seem like very many, all things considered. I mean, 1.5 million is is a, a large number,
0: but in the scheme of 147 million, it's not that much. It's just like, it's 1.02% is what it is. Okay. So... Then we go. Well, is that really is that a significant number enough to affect any sort of supply? Um, and I'll tell you this: st- when we talk about statistics, just as someone who isn't maybe a statistics nerd or a data nerd, basically five percent is where the scale tips. That's where statistic- statisticians and economists and other and scientists use as a as general barometer for when something is causing a significant effect. So 5% or greater, we are paying attention to it. Less than 5% is usually noted, but considered marginal. Okay. Um, And that's not saying that 1.9 million or 1.5 million isn't a large number. It's just saying in the grand scheme of things, it's not all that huge, which is probably why people keep referring me to the Gary Barker article because, for for everything I tried to do, I could not find a single, and I would love it if someone sent one to me, so if you've seen one, like send it to me, yeah. but I could not find a single peer-reviewed, economically supported statistical article anywhere on the internet that supported the idea that Airbnb was actually adversely affecting the housing market. And I think it's because the numbers are just not big enough to have a statistical effect.
1: Okay.
0: But let's get even more granular. Okay. Because we live in Portland, Oregon, and the people that we were talking to this week, the the post that made people angry was from other people in Portland. Yeah,
1: and housing is a is a big issue here for lots of different reasons: housing costs, housing supply, all of the things that go into it. It is it is a conversation here that everyone has all it's the time. It's constant, yeah. Okay. So, tell me about specifically Airbnb in Portland. How's how's it redoing? doing? So. In
0: Portland, there's an estimated 4,700-ish units, Okay, and that's, that's short-term rentals total. That's from AirDNA, that's Airbnb, VRBO, Vacasa, and other okay.
1: websites. And let's be clear, because I had to make sure I understood, this is city of Portland. This is the city of Portland. In city limits. That's not including Gresham and Outerlying Areas. Correct. City of Portland. Okay. Yep. So 4,700 short-term rentals. Correct. Okay.
0: And there are 299,502
1: housing units in Portland. Which, again, when she told me this, I was like, that doesn't seem right. There are way more people in Portland than that. But again, limited to city limits, city of Portland proper, 299,000 individual units for people to live. And the population of the city of Portland is? 641,000. Yep. We looked at that was through the Census Bureau in 2021. I looked that one up myself. Yep. Um, so if we put there are 641,000 people in the city of Portland and there are 299 roughly, roughly units. housing units, we're roughly at two people per house.
0: Yep. Two, which, to one, two to one property, which is better by a significant amount. That is more than 5% of the national average. We are we have 30% better housing occupancy yeah. than the national average. Um. So we're doing,
1: we're doing, in here in Portland, we're doing roughly for every two people, there is one housing unit of some sort. Correct. Okay. And 4,700 of those are short-term rentals. 4,700 of the 299,000 are short-term rentals.
0: But 18% of that 4,700 are, again, single bedrooms.
1: Always a wrench. All right. So 20% of our short-term rentals in Portland is a bedroom in somebody's house. So we can't really count those because those are not impacting the housing supply here.
0: Correct, because the when the city of Portland looks at housing supply, they are also defining it by unit. So that brings the number down to 3760 total. Third, yeah, Let's say 3,700 for the sake of just making it easier to say, but technically it's 3,760 short-term rentals in the city of Portland that are taking up a full unit. Okay, And taking, that's 3,760... Taken out of the housing supply. Okay. And what
1: percentage of our total housing supply then is that is short term rentals in Portland? 1.25%. Okay. 1.25% of the total housing units in the city of Portland are short term rentals. That's not a lot. It's less than five percent by a lot. It's barely
0: it's barely noticeable on the grand scheme of stats. Um and I just don't think it's a big enough number to say that is affecting housing supply i think more likely the housing supply is being affected by um people moving around post-covid and and the consistent and ongoing thing that we've had here where people move from more expensive states to here that's what i think is really driving the housing supply and we'll get into that more later um
1: yeah. So that's interesting. All right. So all right, that was a lot of numbers really fast in a lot of roundy round ways. But at the end of the day, our question was, is Airbnb impacting housing supply in Portland? And our findings are not really, not really, especially because from this last
0: year to this year, our housing occupancy has decreased. So we've actually had more vacancy, which is good. We want more vacancy. That means there's more housing available. Our housing occupancy went from 97% to 94%.
1: Meaning vacancies increased. There are more vacant units available for people to choose from. And
0: that number is a greater percentage by far. It's nearly, I think, double to triple the amount of houses that are the units that are taken up on Airbnb.
1: Can I ask you a question that we did not prepare for and yeah. that I'm gonna put you on your toes about. Any indicators about what caused that vacancy increase? Was that more units built? Was that people moving out and not relocating, like relocating out of the city? Any indicators of what caused that vacancy increase?
0: Um, yeah, so the biggest vacancy increase is the same thing that I think is driving the housing price uptick, which is people moving. Okay. People leaving the city of Portland, moving to Vancouver, moving to other states. Um, we had a lot of people, a lot of people have moved to Vancouver, Washington. Yeah. And then a lot of people have moved to Utah, to Texas and to Florida. Yeah.
1: Morgan. Okay. That, that could be a whole nother episode. That is another episode. Why and and how, and
0: the logistics behind those things. But it does continue to support the data that it's just not where Airbnb is not adversely affecting the housing supply or rent prices in Portland because it's just not enough units to have a significant impact on those prices. And because the city of Portland requires people to be a resident of their property for nine months out of the year. So whether you're living in your house upstairs and you have an Airbnb basement unit or an ADU in your backyard, you have to be a resident of the property that address for nine months out of the year. So Portland is deliberately trying to prevent and it has, I think, successfully, based on these numbers, prevented investors coming in and buying up all the housing and using it for short-term rentals. Sure. And it's also contributing positively to our economy. You know, people come here and they stay in Airbnb and they spend money here. They Most of our this town's money comes from tourism. It is a huge amount of what drives our economy.
1: That is a, that is a good chunk of what happens here. And I'll tell you anecdotally, as somebody who has rental property... And I do it the traditional old school, long-term rental way. I'm not short-terming or mid-terming anything, sticking a renter in there and requesting they give me at least a one-year lease. So that way I can be consistent. And I know what's going on. Yep. I don't look at short-term rental rates when I am determining what rent is. Yeah. They don't impact the rent that I could get when I'm asking for a long-term lease. And I'm not looking for the same people. And the I'm comparing those are comparing apples and oranges, in my opinion. I'm not looking to rent to those people who pay a different rate than somebody who's looking to live somewhere. Absolutely. It just it it's apples
0: and oranges. It's not the same. And and anyone who I I understand the feeling. Oh, there are feelings. I understand the feeling because it is so frustrating, I think, to grow up in a place that you love and then find as you grow up that you can't afford it. Yeah. That is incredibly frustrating. It's what drove me out of the Bay Area. Like I can't, I can't afford to live in San Francisco. I make great money. Like I make a, I say great money. I make, I make a solid living. Like I'm comfortable. My husband and I are comfortable. We are able, able to save and have started putting money away for retirement in recent years because our income has finally gotten to that threshold, but we're not, we're not wealthy by any means. And if we were in the Bay area, we would be considered impoverished. Sure. And, and, so it, and that's just. That's how that's gentrification.
1: It's relative to where you are, what the cost of living is, where you are relative to your wages. And I, I get those two feelings. I get and understand people's feelings about how it could be perceived Airbnb, Airbnb could be perceived as having an impact on units, give, give those units to other people who are looking for housing at lower costs. But at the end of the day, Airbnb is not a lower cost unit. Those are higher cost units. And getting the feeling that you run out of your town by all these increasing prices, I get that feeling too. This I'm from here. Things are different. Yeah. And, and just the general feelings about Airbnb overall. I, I support people who want to make money with their property, especially in a town where the housing costs are increasing. And if you can find ways to make money with your property to help offset that and even maybe propel you forward, fantastic. I'm all for it do I want Airbnb next door to me? Nope. Not really. It's yeah. It's, <laughs> so I'm on both sides a, of the fence. I understand hot- <laughs> those feelings. It's a hot button
0: topic, but I think that the the question we sought out to answer with this episode was, is Airbnb adversely affecting housing costs and rent in Portland? And the stats show that it's not.
1: Not yet anyway. Not yet. So So, so there you go. There you have it.
0: And maybe in the next episode, we talk about what is driving that because I did figure that out as well.
1: Okay. We'll do more numbers later. More numbers later. But in the end time, if you want to start an Airbnb in your property, holler at us. We have all of, not all of them. We have a lot of answers for you and a lot of help to send your way and we would be happy to do so. We sure do. We'll take it happy hour and We'll we'll sit down and chat it out. And uh,
0: if you have any, just short-term rentals or midterm rentals in general, listen in to our podcast. We'll be having some more episodes coming up about in the, that in the future. And if you're someone who's listening to this and being like, "All oh, this dude is wrong, send it to us. We, oh. we, will re- we will read it. We are not above thinking that we have all the answers. Um, and I we welcome discord in the conversation. So thank you for listening today. And until next time, we'll see you later. Bye-bye.